Welcome to New Hope Community Church. My name is Pastor Justin Domino, one of the preaching pastors here. And just want to say good morning and to, you guys can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, there's a free one out at our front desk. You can take it home on your way out the door with you today. That's our gift to you. Um, I'm a little amped up today. My daughter woke up at 3 a.m. with 103 fever, which is bummer. She's feeling a little bit better. But she woke up at 3 a.m. and I haven't slept since. So I've been up at 3. Not only that, but we've been fasting for the last three weeks. I've had any coffee until I was like, you know what? Today, I got to show up to Caribou and get my super sugary coffee drink. And now I'm like amped. My resting heart rate, I check it out my watch pretty consistently every day. My resting heart rate is usually at like 60. Today, we're at 110. So if I yell at you, um, that's part of the reason. We'll get the lights back up here in a minute, but I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm not only excited and amped up on coffee, but I'm excited about the message today because as we end our series called Fight, we've been talking over the last three, three weeks about the devil, our flesh and our sinful flesh and the world and how those things influence us, how they can change us and shape us and mold us and form us into people that we don't want us to, that we don't want to be. But at the end of it, here's good news. Today, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, what it is and what it means to live in it and experience it. And I believe that if you summarize Jesus's message of what he came down to say to the people, it was that the kingdom of God has come. And that is a beautiful message that we're going to talk about today. So go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter five. We're going to be there today in the Sermon on the Mount. Before we get there, just a few stats about our little community here in Isani County. I was doing some Googling this week, and I found out that 31% of our county is religious, which is a good thing. But 25% of that 31% grew up Lutheran or Catholic. So chances are, if you're here today, you probably have some sort of Lutheran or Catholic background. And I bring that up because we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together today. And I know that's a, a pretty customary thing in Lutheran and Catholic churches, and there's nothing wrong with the way that they do it versus what we do. It's just denominational differences and things like that and stylistic differences. But it might bring you back to maybe growing up when you were a young kid in those churches. So as we start today, it's going to be up on the screen if you don't know it, but I would like us to say the Lord's Prayer because it is key to the message today. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a beautiful prayer. And what I love about this prayer is the background behind it. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, some of the disciples grew up religious, they're Jewish. And so it's not that they didn't know necessarily how to pray or what prayer looked like because they prayed in the synagogues regularly, but there was something about Jesus's prayers that were different. They noticed that when Jesus prayed, he would be crying, he'd be emotional, or he'd be lifting his hands, praising God. Why? Because Jesus has an intimate relationship with God, his father. And when the disciples see this relationship, they see how Jesus prays. They want that. It's infectious. You probably have somebody in your life that you know of that whenever they pray or whenever they come to church, they just get so excited about Jesus. Their faith is so strong. And you look at those people and you say, I want that. This is the disciples when they look at Jesus and how he prays. And I want us to see this too, that this isn't necessarily a word for word prayer that we have to pray all the time, but Jesus gives us a building block of what prayer should actually look like. Not just bless us through our bodies or help me have a good night's sleep tonight, although those are good prayers. But it's a way that Jesus taught us and his disciples to pray. 
A, it glorifies God in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. But there's something in this prayer that I think is key to understanding the message that Jesus came to bring. What did he say? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you grew up praying that prayer in your Catholic or Lutheran church, I think sometimes as we repeat it every single Sunday, maybe Saturday night mass, we repeat that, we repeat that, we repeat that. Sometimes I think it loses the meaning a little bit because it just becomes words. Or maybe if you're, you're Baptist, welcome to New Hope, we're Baptist. We don't say it very often. And like I said, just stylistic differences. But whether you say it all the time or you rarely ever say it, I think it's so crucial to understand the meaning behind it. What are we praying for when we pray for God's kingdom to come down to earth and to reign on earth as it is in heaven? When we pray that prayer, we're essentially throwing up our hands and saying, you know what? The the world, the devil, and the flesh, which is what we've been talking about over the past three weeks, it is too much for us. It has led us into a sinful world. It's led our flesh into sinful lives. We've become addicted. We've become stressed. We've become, sim- we've become sinful. And what we need is God's kingdom to reign, not just in this world, but we need God's kingdom to reign in our lives, in our churches, in our community. We don't want the kingdoms of the world, whether you're on the left or the right, or whether you want to live your own will in your own kingdom. No, what we want to live in is the kingdom of God and in his righteousness. And so let's go to Matthew chapter five today. We're gonna read verses one through 12. This is what Jesus said the kingdom of God looks like. And this is what it means to experience the kingdom of God. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Jesus said these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is a beautiful passage by Jesus. He's starting off the Sermon on the Mount, which is going to be a whole new way and a whole new perspective of how to see God's plan for the world. But he starts out by saying some really interesting things about the people who are actually blessed. Now, here in America, I think that we're pretty blessed. We live in a land of abundance. We have so many things. But I think oftentimes we can get confused on what blessings truly are. We can think that blessings are all about stuff or all about money or all about the things that we have. Why do we think that? Because we live in a country so full of abundance. But what Jesus is saying, he's kind of flipping that upside down. And he's actually bringing up what scholars and some commentators have called the upside down kingdom. Jesus defines those who are blessed, not as those who are rich and wealthy and powerful, but by those who are poor and broken, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, people who are humble, people who extend mercy and receive mercy. This is what the kingdom of God is all about. It's a totally antithetical way to think about kingdoms because when we look at the world, 
whether it's like an actual kingdom like the United Kingdom or maybe just powerful countries, what do we see? Who are, what are the biggest and most powerful countries and what do they all have in common? Today, it is the United States, China, Russia, Germany, the United Kingdom, Japan. And what do all of these countries have in common? We have extreme amounts of wealth and we have extreme amounts of military power and we have extreme amounts of nationalistic pride. Now, I want to preface that and say, none of these things are good things. None of these things are bad things. When, we, when we're a kingdom or a country in this world and we want to be safe, we want to have a healthy economy, we need these things. But what I want us to hear in this is that if this is our idea of what a kingdom or a country looks like that is successful, then we're going to have a hard time seeing what the kingdom of God is all about. If we define a good and successful kingdom by the standards of the world, that we're going to be very confused when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because when we read this, we read Jesus' words and we hear about, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn. We're thinking, okay, this is right after Jesus which just went out in the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan was tempting him and he's exhausted. He comes back to his disciples and he preaches a great sermon. My thought is like, Jesus, did you spend too much time in the desert sun? Because this is a little bit backwards, right? This is, this is crazy. It's completely antithetical to our way of thinking about what the, a kingdom is and how it can be successful. But this is why we call it an upside down kingdom. Because Jesus didn't come for power and wealth and pride. Instead, he came to usher in a kingdom that would be about loving sacrifice. If we look at the whole life of Jesus and we spread it out, look at it from like a 30,000 foot view, we can pretty much say that Jesus was a humble servant motivated by love. And that is what he came to usher in with his kingdom. So those who are Christians, we don't pride ourselves because of where we live. We don't pride ourselves based on how much money we have or what kind of social status we have or how many promotions that we've received. We pride ourselves based on that We want to live like Jesus, and we are going to be the people who live humble lives, seeking after mercy, seeking after righteousness, seeking after grace. If we pray for God's kingdom to be ushered into this world, then the kingdom of God comes through us. The kingdom of God comes through Christians. And what I want us to be encouraged by today, church, is this, that we don't want to just be people who are called Christians just because that's what we call ourselves but we want to be people who are Christians because that is what we practice. And so a big question that I want to ask us today is, as we read, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Does this look like our lives? Does this look like people who are sitting in church today? And we're going to get to what it means about blessed are those who are poor or blessed are those who are mourning, because I don't think those are necessarily good things. But as we look at some of these in this list, are our lives defined by mercy and righteousness and being pure in heart? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And that's what we have to be honest with ourselves about. And there's good news in that. But as we talk about the kingdom with all this said about what, kingdom, about what the kingdom of God is and what it isn't, I think it's really important that we look at how our world is functioning today. And even throughout the course of all human history, there's a pastor and sociologist down in Melbourne, Australia. His name is Mark Sayers. He wrote a book called The Disappearing Church. And he said, today we want the kingdom without the king. 
And if you look at our world, he's exactly right. Now, the examples I'm going to use are both in our world and for my life too, because I think this is a struggle for us all. But Mark here says, we want the kingdom, but not the king. And what he means by that is we love certain aspects of Jesus's teachings. We love when Jesus calls us to, to be humble. That's one of the things that, that I love. One of, the, one of the teachings of Jesus that I always go back to because one of my biggest struggles in life is pride. And maybe you feel the same way. But if you look at our world today, we have people marching in the streets for racial equality and racism. That's a good thing. It is a good thing to want justice to prevail on this earth and to bring equality to people. But here's a problem. When the same people who are marching for racial injustice and racial inequality are the same ones murdering or burning buildings, that's when we know that We love certain aspects of the kingdom, but we don't want the whole kingdom. Don't give us the king because that means that we have to actually renovate our heart and let Jesus do the work in our heart. And we see this on both sides. Every year, there's a march in Washington, D.C. called the March for Life where people, hundreds of thousands of people come to protest abortion laws and celebrate the sanctity of life. And that's a beautiful thing. But oftentimes the same people protesting against abortion laws are the same people who get defensive or irritated about the refugee crisis. Or even going back to the first topic, the racial injustices in the world. So the question that I want to ask us today is do we want certain aspects of the kingdom? Or is Jesus our king? And we're letting him come into our lives and completely renovate not only our hearts and our souls, but even our worldview and the way that we see people. You know, in my life, I've struggled with pride for probably my entire life. And like I said, I love the teachings of Jesus that surround the topic of humility because it's one of my biggest struggles. And I'll be open about that. When I talk about it on stage or when I talk about it like in my small group, feels good because I feel like I'm getting it off my chest. And I feel it's repentance. It's good. It's really easy for me to talk about because I know I'm just really bad at it. I want to be honest about it. But over the summer, I was at Walmart, and I pull into the parking lot, and this was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And I I took a picture. I didn't want to show it today just in case you knew who this person was. So, but this guy, and it ends up being a funny story. But this guy pulls into Walmart. He parks next to me, and he's got a Chrysler 200. If you know it, it's just a four-door sedan, typical little car. My wife has one. It's a little tiny car. But he chops off the roof and the back end. So it's only the windshield and the front two seats and the front, front half of the car is totally normal. But he chopped off the roof and the back end and he replaced it with a pickup truck bed. This is the, the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was laughing hysterically by myself in my minivan. Like this is hilarious. But what I noticed in myself was immediately I started jumping to, to conclusions about where this guy lived. Was he educated? What did he look like? I started to notice myself get extremely judgmental. And I'm like, why do I care so much about humility and pride? And I love those teachings of Jesus. Yet I find myself being incredibly judgmental without even thinking about it. Because in my life, oftentimes, the kingdom of God is great. But God, don't renovate my whole heart. Jesus, I don't want you totally as king. Because that means I got to deal with stuff that even I'm uncomfortable with admitting. And the guy gets out of his car car truck thing. (laughs) 
And he starts laughing with his friend and they start taking selfies with it. So it turned into this huge joke. I'm sure this guy just like, oh, we have an extra pickup bed and a car. So let's just put them together. It was hilarious. It was a joke to them. And here I am judging who they are. And so I think it's crucial for us to look at our own lives, not just to look at the world and see how bad it is, but to look at our own lives and see, Jesus, what are we comfortable with admitting? What are the teachings of the kingdom of God that we're so comfortable with and we're so ready to repent and we're so ready to admit and confess our sins? But God, is there something in my life that I'm not ready and not willing to put you as king in my life? Is there something that I'm being defensive about or guarded about? I think this is crucial to growing in our faith. You know, over the last 21 days of prayer and fasting, I think fasting and prayer is one of the great ways to experience more of God in your life. I know over the past three weeks, it's been an amazing time where God has shown up day in and day out for me. In my times of prayer, I felt just more and more close to Jesus every day. It's been an amazing three weeks. But this is actually one of the ways that if you're looking for that intimacy with God, if you're looking for that kind of spiritual growth where you just want to experience God every single day, Lay your sins before him. And not just the ones that you're comfortable with admitting. But what makes you uncomfortable? What about Jesus' teachings makes you uncomfortable? What are you not willing to give up? Is there a sin in your life that you're like, you know, Jesus, I want to give you all this, but I'm not ready to give you this yet. I can give you everything over here, my whole mess. I just praise you for this, but there's a sin over here that I've just latched onto, whether it's an addiction or it's pride or whatever it is. When we give up our entire lives and make Jesus king and bring his kingdom into our lives, that's when we have the kind of intimacy with God our Father that the disciples were looking for when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. So if you want this intimacy, the first, one of the first steps is it's confession. Let Jesus take over every single area of your heart. Why? Because he is king. But I love this too, and we'll go back to the first few verses of, of Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are, those, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I want us to go a little bit deeper for the last five minutes into what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Because it, it seems so backwards. Why would those who are poor in spirit, and, and, and scholars and translators are really struggling with this verse. Actually, there's the, the, the same Sermon on the Mount is in the book of Luke chapter 6. And in Luke, he says, blessed are the poor. And in Matthew, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so people take poor in spirit and they say, oh, that must mean humility. And I think it does partially mean humility. But if you go to Luke and it says, blessed are the poor, it's the same original word in the original language that actually doesn't mean humility. It means poverty, like real, literal poverty. Like you're struggling to pay your bills. You can't pay your bills. You're struggling to put food on your table. Jesus is talking about poverty. But why would he call those living in poverty? Why would he call them blessed? And for those who are mourning, why would Jesus call them blessed? And for those who are meek, which means weak and submissive, why would he call them blessed? Not only is this the upside down kingdom, but Jesus is after something in this moment. Jesus is saying that if you are living in poverty, if you are mourning today, if you are meek and weak 
and you feel like you've had to submit to everybody your entire life, the kingdom of God has come for you. This is a beautiful teaching of who Jesus actually is and what his message, why we call this the good news of the kingdom of God. Because for those of us who are struggling, for those of us who are downright fallen into sin, we feel broken, we feel like we have nothing to offer God. We walk into church, we immediately think God is mad at us all the time. Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come for you. Those of you who can't afford to pay your bills, those of you who, who are struggling financially, God doesn't come to us and say, you need to be wealthy enough. You need to give this amount to the church. You need to give this amount to charity. Then I will love you. No, the kingdom of God is for the poor and the broken and the captive. This is the beautiful message of Jesus. And today, if you're in, in mourning, maybe you're struggling with, with your marriage. Maybe ever since COVID hit, you thought it'd be a great thing because, oh, you get to be home all day with your spouse if you get to work from home. It's a very difficult thing. <laughs> and maybe that's brought up some marital strife. Maybe you're doing, dealing with some financial issues right now in your life and that's brought even more marital strife. Maybe you're dealing with a custody battle and you love your kids dearly, but you're so hurt and you're trying to get your kids Maybe you're dealing with the death of a loved one or there's been miscarriage after miscarriage or a poor medical diagnosis and you're scared and you're frightened. The good news of Jesus is that his kingdom is for you. You can find comfort. You can find peace because Jesus didn't come for those who have it all together. Jesus didn't come for the people who have a pretty good life, but just have a little bit of sin. He didn't come for the wealthy. He didn't come for the perfect. He didn't come for those who have their entire lives together. He came for you. And when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, I know some of us have very strong personalities. We can command a room when we walk into meetings, everybody respects us. People love us at home. We have tons of friends, but I know that there's some people here who struggle with social awkwardness or with loneliness. And maybe you feel like your entire life you've been stepped on and overlooked and you've just been the underdog your entire life and you don't know how to deal with that. You just feel like that's how you've been born. That's who you are. And you feel like people just walk over you all the time. The kingdom of God is for you. Jesus does not overlook you. And we see this in Jesus's life and in his ministry. Who did Jesus heal and save? He healed lepers. He healed the paralyzed, the blind. He fed the poor. Jesus has come for the poor, the broken, and the captive. I want you to hear this today, church, that you, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect to come into the presence of God, but God's kingdom is for you. And when God sends his kingdom, and when we usher in this kingdom, People who are poor and broken and captive and struggling with addictions and sins or in poverty or with grieving, when we usher in God's kingdom, people who are struggling feel the grace and the presence of God every single day. And I love that, you know, you're sitting here today probably because you've experienced the kingdom of God before. You know, many of you sitting in the room have, have gone through COVID over the past two years. 
And some of us, it's, it's a light cold and nothing really happens. But for some of us, we've been on ventilators and, and we've been really struggling. We've been, we've been very sick in ICUs. The people who have come around you to pray for you, to talk with you, to bring your family meals so that you didn't cook, you didn't have to cook, that is the kingdom of God. When people take care of each other and pray together. Some of you are struggling financially. When people come around you, whether it's the church that's helping you with financial issues, or maybe there's friends around you who are bringing you meals or helping you pay your bills, that is the kingdom of God. For those of you who have struggled with addictions, or maybe you've been in and out of jail before, and you're just struggling maybe with with alcoholism or, or drug abuse or pornography addiction, whatever it could be, the kingdom of God is for you. And Jesus brings the kingdom of God when we have people around us who are praying with us, walking through life with us. That is the beautiful thing about who we are meant to be as the body of Christ. Those who usher in the kingdom of God, we are for each other. Why? Because God is for you no matter how broken you feel. Even if you have nothing to offer God in return, Jesus loves you desperately. And our job in our our Christian walk, in our Christian faith, is to make Jesus our king, to want the kingdom with Jesus reigning on the throne. And so we're going to take communion to end our our series this morning. So if you have your your brand new cups that actually are great and they work, (laughs) feel free to take them out. Not distracting, it's beautiful. But I want you to take these out. We're going to take communion as we close. And I want us to hear today that the king who we are celebrating, the king who we worship, who is Jesus, He ushered in his kingdom, not by power and wealth and pride, but by loving sacrifice. Rode into Jerusalem, as people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, rides in on a donkey as a humble king, mocking the idea of what it means to be royalty. Didn't come in on a big horse with royal guards all around him, comes in on a humble donkey to usher in his humble kingdom. And he was anointed as king when they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they mocked him saying, King of the Jews, and a sign above his head said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. As he was hoisted up as a king, but a king who would die on a cross. So we remember Jesus' death and what it brought for us. It brought us the kingdom of God and the good news. So let's take our communion together. You can take your bread This is Jesus' body broken for you. And you can take your juice. This is Jesus' blood shed for you. Let's pray. God, we come before you today wanting to live a life modeled after you. God, I, I pray that as we pray prayers like your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I pray that we mean it and we understand what that means. That your kingdom is not about power and wealth and pride and and us being first. But Lord, you said, if you want to be first, you must be last. And so I pray that we look at your life as an example. You are a humble servant motivated by love. And God, I pray that that transforms our lives today. That we look more like you and less like ourselves. That you would increase in our lives and we would decrease. And God, if anybody's feeling poor and broken and captive today, struggling with sin or just struggling with grief in their life, whatever they're going through today, God, I pray that your peace and your grace and your presence and your mercy would abound in their lives, Lord. And if they feel like they have nothing to offer, or if we feel like we are just too broken to offer you anything in life, God, I pray that your love for us would be evident 
that we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to come to you with all these gifts and all these talents and all this money or power, whatever it is, God, but we come to you as the broken people that we are and we accept your love in our lives. God, I pray today we would live different. We would pray that your kingdom would come. But Lord, we would pray that it would show through our lives, how we treat people, how we treat ourselves, and how we live after following you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.